Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And hello, how are you? We are not on the road. This is the Ayers, Richard and Linda Ayer. We are in the middle of a pandemic. Well, we certainly are, and we our hearts go out to all of you. We know that this is tough on families. It's, uh, you know, we've got a couple of really optimistic kids that are just loving it. They love having more time with their kids. They love having their kids out of school. They love working from home. But I'm wondering how long that'll last. <laughs> I wonder. Because the longer it goes on, the more pressure I think a lot of parents feel. And we just want to start off today by sending you our best wishes and our fondest hopes and our prayers that you will find some silver linings and some family relationship enhancements during this very, very tough time. And we've got some things to tell you today that may be a little bit helpful, but before we get to, well, let me, let me announce what it is and then let me do one thing in, in preparation. How would you like a first aid kit, <laughs> an emotional first aid kit? That would fix you and your family. <laughs> during this difficult time, uh, that would be an antidote to the pandemic, in, at least in an emotional way. Wouldn't you love that? Wow, we would all love that, especially those of you moms who are home with a lot of kids or uh, obviously uh, moms who aren't with their kids and the kids are grown up and trying to raise their kids. It really is a crazy time. We do need some first aid here. And Linda did a book a few years ago and, and that's the name of it. An emotional first aid kit for, for mothers. mothers. And little did you know, Linda, when you wrote that, that there would come a time when probably every mother in the world needs some emotional first aid. And every dad, too, I might add, to get through this. But just before we launch into that and, and you give some summaries of what advice is there and how timely it is today, let me just mention that um, I was thinking this morning about Ayers on the Road, that title that we've had for this show now for nearly 10 years. And Some of you know that, that uh, up until these recent days, we traveled probably more than anyone should and that's why we chose that that name for the show we've been to more than a hundred countries around the world and the last count we'd spoken or presented in about 65 of those countries and we we just want to kind of a reassuring message to all of us right now is this wherever we've been and i put it in the past tense now because we're certainly not traveling now Although we are going to get in our car and and go south today, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But wherever we've been throughout the world, I think it's fair to say, Linda, that the overwhelming commonality that parents have just sort of trumps everything else. It trumps <coughs> their differences in religion. It trumps their differences in socioeconomic level. It trumps their differences in in, you know, political beliefs and so on. There is something incredibly uniting about being a parent because in the love we have for our children, we we have a brotherhood, a sisterhood, we have a commonality. And I just wanted to say that I think it's so great that um, now when we have this pandemic and we're 
confined our homes in most cases. Thank God for technology because we're able to reach out. We're able to be in touch with our children when they're distant. We're able to stay up to date with what's going on in the world. Try to imagine a hundred years ago when they had the last flu pandemic, which called sort of ineptly the Spanish flu, they had no contact. They were totally quarantined and had no idea what was going on next door. <clears throat> and this really hits home for me because my wonderful, darling 39-year-old grandmother who had born 10 children, and we may have mentioned this last week, but she was a victim of this flu. She died in 1920. It took two years to, I'm sorry to say that, but it took two years to get to Star Valley, Wyoming, where she was the bishop's yeah. wife and had everybody at her house trying to help them. And then she passed away and her two babies, uh, two and a half and an eight-month-old baby, passed and, the same week. And I think what we learned from reading about her history and those around her, how strong they were, even in the presence of death and even in the presence of that pandemic. And I think a lot of us are, are finding we have reserves. We're stronger than we think we are. You know, the, the metaphor would be those of you who've run a marathon or, or climbed a high mountain. We climbed Kilimanjaro a few years ago. And what you find out about yourself physically when you demand something of yourself is that you're stronger than you think you are. There were times on that hike when we didn't think we could put another foot in front of the other, but we did. And I think that's what a lot of us are doing now. We, we don't think we can handle this, but we do. We take it a day at a time. We're stronger than we know, and we really can carry on, especially when we work with each other. And I know in, in our church and in many other religions in the world, and, and it's a request right now that on the 29th, this Sunday, this coming Sunday, which for many of you listening will be tomorrow, we're invited to participate in a worldwide fast and prayer for this pandemic. And I believe in stuff like that. I mean, I think the combined faith and prayers of a worldwide community and as many people join in, I think that's powerful. It's, you know, the old saying that the, the fervent effectual prayer uh, availeth much. And when it's a combination of people joining together in faith throughout the world. I believe in that, and uh, we're looking forward to fasting on Sunday. We hope you will, too, for the world, but uh, but for yourself as well, and for your family, and for your community. Other families, yeah, yeah, families all over the world. Wow, it's an unprecedented time. This has never happened before, and hopefully will never quite happen like this again, at least in our lifetime. I do have to say, though, that <clears throat> I had so much fun with four dear friends writing this book called An Emotional First Aid Kit for Mothers. Um, they all had different challenges in their lives. Um, their names were Margaret Archibald, who actually was a dear, dear friend from our days in Boston. Still is such a dear and friend. And we kind of conjured this up together thinking we need to get this information to moms who are struggling in different ways. And she had... Um, to make a long story short, 
eight, seven boys, and then had a girl at the end of that line. <laughs> she needed an emotional first and, uh, aid. <laughs> but struggled so much to get that first one here on Earth, which so many of you have with infertility and so on. So there's some hope for you, or maybe horror for, <laughs> <laughs> I wish for some of you who are struggling with that. If only you and Margaret had had a little more foresight when you conjured up this book, Linda, and you could have put a little line under the title so it said an emotional first aid kit for mothers which will be especially useful in 2020 during the coming <laughs> pandemic <laughs> yeah we should have we had another was early blazer who was a dear friend from utah state when we were at school together and she had a son who was profoundly handicapped with special needs and just cared for him she did not sleep for how long was it before he passed? 20 years or so. Oh she did gosh, not sleep yeah. through the night at all. Yeah. Um, then Barbara Timothy Bowen, who was such a darling dear friend. who and lost, still is. And still is. And lost her husband to cancer with brain, uh, uh, brain cancer. And um, so many hard, interesting times. And all these are great writers. And Anne Whiting Orton, who I dearly love, who had gotten divorced... Uh, totally unexpectedly in her life and had to, her life turned upside down had to re revamp her life and so, so some of us are now revamping our lives because yeah. our kids are home our work is done I mean we are working from home so it is such a crazy time honey. well we want to get into some of your great content there Linda but let me just comment on that you you know I'm remembering now too that you you and these four other women, all of whom remain our dear friends, just felt like you had all been through different things. You'd all been through a lot. You'd all been through some real trials, some real hard times, not to mention the common hard time of being a mom and raising kids and, and having all those pressures on you. And I think, can you tell me, do you, maybe you don't even remember, but how did the title come about? How? How, how did you, was it the five of you saying, you know, what can we call this book and what is it really? Well, I think we did. I mean, we just realized the more we were associating with our friends and dealing with our own lives, we needed some help. We needed a first aid kit to soothe those bumps and bangs and scrapes and slices and all the things that are happening in our lives because every mother deals with this. Well, I remember then the... the I was looking the other night at the preface, and your lead-in was really cool, you know, like, like as moms, you know, we took the first aid kit into his son's pack for his hike, and it contains bandages, and it contains uh, ace bandages, and it contains uh, vitamin C and painkillers and all of that, and, and, and then the metaphor being, we need a first aid kit, but an, it's as moms, but it's an emotional first aid kit. And I just want to read this one. This is your words, Linda, but I, I just love it. You said, what about a first aid kit for mothers? I asked myself as I drove home after speaking to a large group of mothers. I had felt a great bond with these women as we had talked together about the challenges every day of being a mother. After my talk, mother after mother came up to tell me about their difficulty in their lives. One said, I have four children under five, and of all the things I've lost, I miss my mind the most. <laughs> <laughs> so you put a lot of humor into this, but that, 
that beautiful metaphor that I think you and Margaret thought of first about let's make it an emotional first aid kit. Because, uh, you know, one of the things I love about that title, first aid kit, is not always a cure, but it, but it, you know, it, it alleviates the symptoms. You know, you've got a first aid kit, you put a little salve on something, you, you, you know, disinfect the sore so it won't get worse. And that's what we're talking about here in this difficult time for moms and dads is just a way to get through it, a way to protect yourself and to carry on. Well, um, we're going to share just a few stories um, in the second half, but I just have to start out by just saying that Margaret said um, she, she had a wonderful article on really capturing the moment with your kids at home because it becomes so mundane, so hard. And if you're really watching for those moments, then you look back and you have wonderful memories. I mean, there's chaotic memories, there's funny memories, there's all those. But if, if your child realizes that they are your first priority, no matter what, it, whether you're a working mom and don't have very much time to spend with them, that you pick and choose those moments that you can, that they will remember and you'll remember. I mean, you don't pick and choose them because they just happen. But you, if you have in mind, you are going to make sure your children know they are your first priority. Well, and now is such a poignant time for that because none of us would have, would have wished this crisis and this pandemic on us. But, you know, we're having moments and in the future, we're going to remember those. And, and one of our favorite sayings has always been, and it applies in so many ways to parenting, crisis plus time equals humor. Now you may say, wait, there's nothing humorous in this. But over, you know, you'll look back on some of these days crammed together with your kids who are not in school and trying to get along and form a, form a new normal in your home. There'll be some funny moments. There'll be some times you'll remember. There'll be this crisis plus time will will have some joyful memories and some humorous memories to look back on. So we'll be back um, with some fun stories uh, at this crazy time in life. So hang on, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking today about one of Linda's books that I think is a classic and it applies in a classic way during this pandemic, an emotional first aid kit for moms. Um, I do have to say that it's on Ayers Free Books, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And um, there are some amazing stories here from these dear mothers who gave up so much and then received so much back from being and they apply uh, so much mother. right now. Yeah. You got one there from Margaret. Well, there's there's fun times, there's funny times, there's uh, and we were our mother our, a lot of our kid children had left home uh somewhere on mission, somewhere in college and and were gone so that we could actually look back. But she talks a little bit uh, humorously about this 11-year-old who uh she she said um Oh, the, the children come home from college and see that their 
siblings are not living the life they lived when they were there. <laughs> Wait a minute, what happened? Really? What happened? You made me go to bed. Oh my gosh. He said, um, he, let's see, this son that came back said he relays and he relays into shock again upon uh, learning that bedtime for that 11 year old for their eighth child was somewhere between 9.30 and 11. <laughs> he used it over us. We were up at six o'clock every morning doing our thing. And now you're just letting this child run wild. What are you thinking? That is funny because what she's saying is you're, you're never the same parent for any specific child. Well, you, you change and you evolve. And for any specific situation, like I think one of the things a lot of parents are finding during this crisis is you need a schedule. You need to have regularity. Children who are who are less capable emotionally of handling this than, than some of us adults need structure in their lives. And the more you can put into place, whether it's with a chart or a schedule or a list of times that you do things or things you do every day, they, the kids may moan about that and complain. But it's a time to get back to more structure now because that yeah. gives kids an emotional stability. Yeah, it is really interesting because we do get lax as we get tired <laughs> with yeah. taking care of these kids. But it is really, it's so important to think right now, what are the kids going to remember about what's happening right now in our lives? Because it's such an amazing moment in history. Share some other things that, that would help moms out there today and dads. Um, I think we're so worried about our kids. You know, we're so worried when they exhibit bad behavior and so on. And she said she had an 11-year-old who um, was ex exhi exhibiting some really bad things. Um, and, and, you know, she said, I cornered my husband and said, he's going to be a terrible marriage partner someday. And my wise hu husband summed it up with, that's why 11-year-olds don't get married. <laughs> <laughs> Don't expect too much of them. And she said, boy, is she as time evolved now. He became a fabulous father. But we are so worried about these kids when we see them, especially when they're underfoot all day. Like, what is this child going to become? What is going to happen to them when they can't mind, when they can't do this, when they can't do that? And I'm telling them to do something and they don't do it. And I think we just need to relax a little bit and realize that they are only 11 or 9 or 3. Yeah, give them a break. This is a good time during this pandemic to give yourself a break. Don't be so demanding of yourself. Allow yourself to feel depressed at times and just try to lift yourself out of it. And understand if your children are a little emotional, this is really tough for them too. And give, give them a pass. Give yourself a pass. Have a schedule. Try to be as organized and as predictable as you can. But be forgiving of yourself and your kids. Well, she taught, I, I don't know how about you, but probably some of you are doing a little yelling at your kids. <laughs> I mean, it just gets so overwhelming. You're just yelling. And she talks about her little three-year-old who um, she was running away and her mother was yelling at her. Come, you come back here right now. It's bedtime. Come back here. And she ran up and she looked at her mom and she kept her little chubby hands, her it, and her, I mean, he, she took her mom and her, her little chubby hands and her face and looked at her and said, don't you have any ears? And she thought, what is she talking about? And she realized that people who are hard of hearing have to yell. 
you know, oh. like, they can't, they, they have to yell in order to get their message across. And it just suddenly calmed her down thinking, oh my gosh, I do have ears and I don't have to yell. And so much yelling must be going on in those homes out there. And so, there's just a lot of confusion with children underfoot all day. What else can you read from there that would be sort of soothing to moms today in this emotional time and needing a first aid kit? Maybe from your own part, because you wrote a lot of this book. <clears throat> well, she does say, you really can live through hard times. Is this Margaret this still? This is Margaret yeah. still. It sometimes takes lots of tears and a brief running away from home. Well, you can't get too far away from home, but you do have to get out of the house and get away. Um, I remembered many times reaching the end of my rope that was getting shorter for each progressive year and just running outside to the backyard to scream silently. Then I would take a deep breath, refocus my perspective and say, I can do this. It always helped to find a strong shoulder to cry on and have lots of talks with a heavenly father who knew my troubles. Well, you know, I was thinking, Linda, a lot of uh, families are home unexpectedly with both parents who normally work and now are both at home. And when you are in that situation, you moms and dads, give each other a break. Say, let me take over for half an hour and you go for a run or whatever. And even though a lot of us are kind of locked down, I don't know anywhere, at least in this country, where we can't go out and exercise. You don't want to go with the group or whatever, but you can go out and run. You can clear your head a little bit. And that's one lesson in this pandemic. You gotta, you don't, don't feel selfish you have, if you have to take some time for yourself, whether you're a mom or a dad, where you have to get out and exercise or you have to get out and clear your head and be alone for a little while. That's not selfish. That's refilling your own well. You can't draw from an empty well. You can't help these kids get through this if you're not in a place where you want to be. So help each other. Spell each other off. That may be an advantage if you're both at home. And you dads who aren't used to it, this will be a great experience for you to be cooped up with kids like your wife is, maybe a lot more than you are, and learn from it and release her to go out and get her head on straight, you know, and take the kids out to exercise. We've got a daughter in London, and they are really locked down in London. They have people out looking for anyone who's violating the, the shutdown. But they, the exercise is always one reason you can be out. And she takes these two little boys of hers, one's three and one's two, one's almost four and one's two, and she goes out and exercises with them, and that gets all the jitters out, and they go back home, and they're okay for another few hours. Well, let me guess that one of the biggest problems with being home with kids is a sibling rivalry. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, There's always somebody together, somebody's yeah. throwing, somebody saying this and that and the other. And um, these, these fights just erupt, especially when you're in closed space and you can't really get out. And so we figured out, I mean, it was during this book, I think, that yeah, we figured out that we needed a place for kids to go that were arguing. We and didn't want to be the judge and the jury and the ones who figured out <coughs> who was right and who was wrong and who should get punished and so on. And so we created a new thing. You did. And it was actually, it was called... Uh, we started calling it the fighting bench because our kids were fighting all the time. 
And then some of you have heard us talk about this before, but this, what I was writing this book is the birth of what we now call the repenting bench. Because, and we had a family meeting, we taught, and family meetings are really important right now for you. Uh, when there's so much stuff going on in close quarters and so on. And I think we, we had a family meeting, we said, look, we, your dad and I are so tired of being the referees in your arguments. We are going to give you guys ownership of this. You are going to, when something goes wrong, you're going to go over to this bench. And we didn't have a formal bench at the time. We had two chairs in the kitchen. You two are going to have to sit on those chairs and work out your own argument. And you have to start by realizing what you did wrong, what you did wrong. And then when you are ready to tell dad or I, and especially nice now because you're around a lot, um, what you did wrong, then you have to turn to the other person and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I'll try not to do it again. And then give each other a little hug. So we had them practice. and We practiced in the meeting. This is what's going to happen. This is how you resolve like a rehearsal. it. It's a rehearsal. And then the moment comes and this is when you go. Go. And so you no longer have to be the referee. You don't have to decide who was right and who was wrong. You just send them off to those chairs or we actually formalize them. Have a little, a little bench, bench or a certain place, like a double timeout. The thing that made that work, Linda, and it still works, and it's working for all our grandkids now, is that they can't get off the repenting bench until they repent, which involves figuring out not what the other kid did wrong, but what you did because it takes two to tangle. And then you repent of that, you apologize, you give a hug, and you can go. And kids want to get off the bench so bad, they learn a very rapid kind of repentance. And so, and this is, you know, take this time. Some of the parents I admire most that I've talked to recently are saying, you know, this is a gift to our family. We're all together. Kids are out of school. This is a time to put in place some procedures that will last beyond this epidemic, beyond this pandemic. We'll establish this repenting bench. We'll establish a little responsibility sharing family economy. We'll set up some family laws and we'll talk about them and we'll, we'll say to each other, let's use this time while we're together to figure some things out. And even when the pandemic's over, we'll keep doing these things. We'll get some systems in place now during this unexpected time together that'll make our family better for the next 10 years. We do have to admit that our two youngest ones had a rivalry going on that was absolutely magnificent. I mean, Eli would not forgive Charity for taking over his place as the baby of the family. He had three whole years to be the baby, and then this baby pops up. <laughs> and it really was amazing. I mean, um, she, um, he read, would... Go ahead and read that. Part. So, yeah, I'm going to just do that. Um Suddenly, he was simply one of the older children, and he wanted to make her pay. That, plus the fact that he came with a propensity for the gleeful feeling of power produced by teasing someone to the point of exasperation, makes this sibling rivalry particularly poignant. She, in turn, has developed a blood-curdling scream and could write a book called A Thousand Ways to Annoy Eli. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was really uh, absolutely crazy. I think these little rivalries, let me just read this little last part. True, rivalries are also based on little jealousies along the way. One child may feel he's upstaged or downsized because of the gifts of another, which is often the source of the arguments and bad feelings among, among siblings. 
even if it isn't verbalized at the time. And that's why constant praise from parents about each child, letting them know that you really do appreciate who they are because sometimes we just get down on them all the time because they are kind of naughty. Well, it's a great <laughs> book, Linda. And again, if, if you think you need an emotional first aid kit, you can go to IrishFreeBooks.com and you can get this emotional first aid kit for mothers for free. And also while I'm mentioning it again, we're all about trying to help anyone and everyone through this crisis as a family. And uh, one other thing we can offer you for free is if you'll go to valuesparenting.com and just scroll down. One of the first boxes is, it says free help for parents and children. And it, we just put it up there and it, it did six things you can download to just help so they won't feel too busy or too, you know, too confined. One of the main ones is a series of audio adventures called Alexander's Amazing Adventures. And they have, they're a half hour each and you can just play those. If you get sick of your of refereeing, just turn them over to these tapes. So we wish you the very best. We'll see how you're doing again next week. Join us then and thanks for listening in on Irish on the Rock. Bye-bye. <laughs>